And now, it's time for the Tim Donnelly Show on the talk of the New River Valley, 1017, 1035, and 1460 WRAD. Good morning. Welcome into the Tim Donnelly Show. Talk of the New River Valley, WRAD, 1017, 1035, 1460 AM. We are live inside the Mockadoo studio. Guests and callers join us on the Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900. That's the Louise Baker Team over at Long and Foster. Joining me here inside the Mockadoo studio, of course, is our producer, Lobro. It is bright and early on a Tuesday morning. It's a top Tuesday, and before we get into that side of the show, let's make sure you know what to talk about. You have something to contribute when you bump into the sports conversation at the water cooler, at the PTA meeting, at the kids' practice, at the grocery store, happy hour, or anywhere else a sports conversation might break out. This is what we call Got You Covered. No one has time to catch all the games. Don't worry. Tim will get you covered. So the Dallas Cowboys finally went ahead and named their next head coach and Mike McCarthy, the former head man for the Green Bay Packers. While everyone else might want to talk about with, oh, it's such a great hire, he's won a Super Bowl. What you want to say when you're in your conversations at the water cooler is flat out that the Cowboys somehow bungled the hiring process more so than they bungled the firing process of Jason Garrett. It is an absolute embarrassment. Does Jerry Jones not realize that time is appropriately ticking for him he doesn't have a ton of time here so why go get a guy who might win you one Super Bowl over the next 12 years one Super Bowl over the next 10 years like he did in Green Bay go get someone that might be dynamic enough to win right now whether that was Lincoln Riley Matt Rule Urban Meyer whether it was someone with a little bit more pizzazz or not you had to at least interview him they interviewed two guys Marvin Lewis and Mike McCarthy and I would have been saying the same thing about both that leaves the Panthers, Giants, and Browns as the only teams, the only teams, excuse me, still looking for coaches. They're not even shopping in the same aisles. Panthers need someone that can win right now because David Tepper is going to be asking the city for money. Giants need someone that can develop quarterbacks because Daniel Jones is going to need a lot of it. And the Browns need Phil Jackson. They need someone to deal with egos out there that can make Rodman and Jordan and Pippen and Baker and OBJ and Jarvis and Chubb, all these guys get along. Also, Tua going pro, not coming back to Alabama. Uh, The most obvious news of the day. But when everyone else is talking about, oh, Tua, where's he going to go? What you need to be talking about is what type of team is he going to go? Not where in the draft, but what type of team? There's two that want Tua. One, a team that has an old school, old quarterback who they want to give one more year to think the Chargers with Rivers think maybe even the Steelers with Roethlisberger or a team going for the super tank the super tankers if you will the deluxe tankers if you will the teams that are willing to completely punt on the upcoming year not play him so they can continue to stink and then they'll draft a number one wide receiver a number one left tackle a pass rusher so Tua and him can be rookies in the same year the following year consider it sixers level tanking draft and bead don't play until the next year get two draft picks out of it in the nba gobert fouled ingram at the end of the game ingram for the pelicans driving against the jazz to tie it force overtime gets fouled they review it they still say it's a no call there is something about new orleans 
that refuses to let end-of-game situations, foul calls, end-of-game situations with reviews, replays go their way. The Jazz walk away with the win even though they shouldn't. Luka, 38-11-10. I mean, everyone's going to be talking about Luka. I just want to make sure you're informed. The guy is that darn good. They beat the Bulls. He's now making darn near 40-point triple-doubles look civilian look pedestrian look like that's what we should just expect from Luca from now on there's Giannis and there's Luca they're two foreign born players that are absolutely killing it in the NBA and I think they got next Louisiana beat Miami of Ohio in the lending tree bowl last night last bowl outside of the national championship game 27-17 the final score that game means almost nothing but what it does tell you is the state of Louisiana is now undefeated in bowl games and there's one left to play. LSU taking on Clemson. I feel like it's been uh, a, a month since either of those teams last played, and we still have to wait all the way until next Monday to see them play against each other. It's a Super Bowl-level break, 16 days between. Which team will it benefit? The team that played Ohio State and really got banged up, or LSU? and a team that hasn't really played a competitive game in a very long time. It'll be interesting to find out. And finally, in Gotcha Covered, a little bit of hokey news. Deshaun McLeese, fifth-year senior this past year, running back for the Virginia Tech Hokies, has announced he will forego his sixth year, which he would have been granted due to injury, uh, to, to go ahead and go pro. And it's, it's a decision that he had to make. If he has dreams of playing at the next level, there isn't much of a market for running backs that have an insane amount of tread uh, taken off their tires in a six-year career. So Deshaun McLeese is on his way out of Virginia Tech and into the NFL draft. Luckily for the Hokies, they've been planning for this. Khalil Herbert, graduate transfer coming in. Marco Lee, junior college transfer coming in. Keyshawn King, uh, a player that was given reps this past year, still around. And there are a few others, uh, namely some true freshmen, that are going to be mixed into that, that rotation as well. So Deshaun McLeese, see ya. Hokies doing just fine. Once again, that's got you covered, making sure you have something to say about all the biggest stories in sports. Uh, it is a Top Tuesday. Now, now we're going to have to do some tweaking to Top Tuesdays because I kind of like, uh, for those of you that tune into the Tim Donnelly Show in its afternoon session, um, we're now in our second day of mornings, I kind of like the fact that we used to do a Top 3 at 3, Top 4 at 4, Top 5 at 5. Um, but now it's no longer three o'clock. Our lists are going to be a lot longer. It's or I think <laughs> I think what we're going to have to do is just make it a top three at six. At least they're like multiples <laughs> of six. Which top four at seven? Like it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but I don't think we need to be sitting here counting down. You know, top nine at nine, top eight at eight. That just that just sounds ridiculous. Um, so what we're going to do it's it's going to be the intro for top three at three. But just think of it as the top three at six. It's Top Tuesdays with Tim Donnelly. Are you ready to play ball? Let's go! Here's your top three at three. Six. Right! Like that, like that adjustment. Uh, so our, our, our first, it's going to be like top three in hour one, I guess is what we'll call it. Uh, top three on Top Tuesdays. We're counting down the most dangerous teams to come out of Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. Four teams made it out of Wild Card Weekend. Crazy games. Two overtime games. Uh, really all were up for grabs late in the game. So who can go from squeaking out of Wild Card Weekend to making a legit run for the third weekend of the NFL playoff? Who can legit make a run at a conference championship game? And we'll start with number three. 
Minnesota. Minnesota, and I'm actually going to say it this way. I think Minnesota's talent level leads them towards being higher on this list. Right? Look at their pass catchers. Diggs, Thielen, Rudolph. Cook out of the backfield. Madison out of the backfield. I don't know if there is a a more talented pass-catching group in the league. The problem is I don't necessarily trust the person throwing it to those pass-catchers in Kirk Cousins. So I think this team would be higher up this list if I had more faith in Kirk Cousins playing like he did this past weekend, week in and week out. I don't have that kind of faith, so I don't expect it to happen. Number two. Houston Texans. Deshaun Watson, J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller if he gets healthy. There's talent there, and more importantly, they have Deshaun Watson. We've seen Deshaun Watson put entire teams, entire franchises, entire programs on his back and and make them his. And and I believe that he has the ability to do that in the NFL. Now, now that's their, their weapon, right? Their weapon is Deshaun Watson. If he's not working then they don't have a shot. But if he is working, if he's being special, if he's using his legs, they can beat anyone in the NFL. And that includes uh, you know, an appearance in the conference championship game. And if he goes full superhero, if, if he you know, suddenly learns to c- control his powers uh, and bring them about at will, they, they could definitely make a nice little run here. Bill O'Brien needs to, to tidy up his, his coaching style, but Deshaun Watson gives you a chance in absolutely every single game that he plays in. Number one. Seattle. Russell Wilson is that special. Marshawn Lynch looks like he hasn't missed a step. They're going to give him the ball more this upcoming week. Uh, DK Metcalf, it's almost like they've assembled the team here in the last two or three weeks, that has me more excited than even over the first half of the season when they were battling amongst the top of the league and Russell Wilson was the MVP. Uh, Beast Mode, Metcalf, uh, obviously Lockett, obviously uh, a few others along that offensive line, and, and, and they lose Carson, but they get Lynch, and they have a defense that I don't mind. And uh, I, I really think they have a potential – to go on a little run here. Now they're going to have to play better than they did this past week, but within a te- with a team that assembled or developed so many pieces recently, uh, every week they're going to be better than they were before. So they have to be better than they were this past week, but they're going to be better than they were this past week. And I also just want to point out, this means no Tennessee. I don't know why Tennessee became this hot team just because they beat the Patriots. I wasn't high on the Patriots. I'm not high on Tennessee. The day Ryan Tannehill plays for a Super Bowl is a day I will do something very embarrassing on this show. I don't know what it is, but I don't necessarily have to even put something out there because it's not going to happen. Tennessee is not a team that scares me in the least bit just because they beat a team that scared us the last couple of years but not this year in in the Patriots. Remember, remember. The Patriots lost to Miami in, in Week 17, and not in a game that they didn't play their starters. They, they lost to Miami in a game that mattered. So losing to the Titans is, is par for the course. Doesn't make Tennessee suddenly a juggernaut. Let's take a break. When we come back, let's dive into the co- Cowboys coaching search. Mike McCarthy is their guy. Was that the right decision? Next. He's going to fight for your right to play ball. More of the Tim Donnelly Show is coming your way next on WRAD.
Tim Donnelly show continuing bright and early on a Tuesday. I'm Tim Donnelly alongside producer Lobro here inside the Makadoo studio. Guests and callers join us on the Baker team hotline, 540-639-4900. That's 540-639-4900. The Cowboys coaching search was, was a mess, bungled, ridiculous. Jerry Jones should have his head examined for the way that, that he handled it. And it's when I say that, I'm not saying it to be mean. I'm saying it to be there's only really two parts of a, a coaching hiring session. There's the firing process and the hiring process. How do you get rid of the old staff? How do you bring in the new staff? He, he on both ends, handled it in a way that uh, someone with his experience and his track record should not. Jason Garrett was was dragged on. Apparently he was... Um, uh, pleading his case all the way up till the 11th hour, refusing to unpack his office. Uh, They weren't really saying get out. They were just kind of saying, well, you're probably gone. And then they bring in Mike McCarthy and Marvin Lewis as the only two guys that they hire, excuse me, that they interview before they hire Mike McCarthy. Now, first, let me, let me air out my grievances with, with Mike McCarthy, right? He's a retread, which, which frustrates me a bit, right? Why go get another guy who won one Super Bowl and a decade plus with Aaron Rodgers and expect him to win you one Super Bowl in two or three years with Dak Prescott? Even if you're as high as you could possibly be on Dak Prescott, you're not saying he's Aaron Rodgers. Even if you're, you're out there saying Dak Prescott can win you a Super Bowl, you're not saying he can cover up all of the coaching mistakes that Aaron Rodgers could cover up. And McCarthy won a Super Bowl over a decade. Jerry doesn't have a decade. Jerry Jones has been around a minute. He's getting older. And just like I say with Tom Brady, just like you say with Vince Carter, just like you say with anybody – Father time's undefeated. And Jerry knows that this team has a two- or three-year window. A two- or three-year window. Guys like Byron Jones, guys like Zeke Elliott, guys like that offensive line are not going to be good forever. They have a two- or three-year window, and there's a good chance once that two- or three-year window closes that, that Jerry Jones won't be around for the next window, and if he is, he will likely be on the sidelines watching his son, Stephen Jones, run the show. If he wants to win another Super Bowl in the Jerry Jones era, he needed to get someone that could win right now. And to me, that meant being a little bit more risky than hiring the safest pick on the market in Mike McCarthy. I would have liked to have seen Lincoln Riley. I would have liked to have seen Matt Rule. I would have liked to have seen Urban Meyer. I would have liked to have seen uh, a few others. And, and that's not from a personal standpoint. right? Urban Meyer has his issues from an a ethical standpoint, but you can't argue with the fact that he puts quality football on the field. You have to at least interview those guys and see if they don't give you the vibe of someone that can come in and win this year. Like, uh, th- there might be a, a 20% chance that one of those guys could win a Super Bowl, which is the goal. Every year, every team, goal should be Super Bowl. Uh, there's only 32 teams in the league. Buy your lottery ticket every single year. Uh, if, 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 
if one of those guys could win 20% chance a Super Bowl in the next two or three years, you have to give him that opportunity. Even if the other 80 means a brutal flameout. Right? To me, Mike McCarthy guarantees you a modicum of success every year. Right? You'll be in it at the end of the year. But I also think he puts a low ceiling on you in that a lot of things are going to have to break your way to win a Super Bowl. You bring in Lincoln Riley, there might be that one beautiful year where no one knows how to stop him. The Sean McVay year where the offense is the best in the league. Everyone on your team is winning everyone that drafts them fantasy championships. And the next year it might flame out. But you got your Super Bowl. You got your Super Bowl. I say this with a few franchises. Garrett Cole, when he signs the giant deal with the New York Yankees. The the Yankees make 345, whatever it is, $325 million deals. If they win a Super Bowl, they'll pay half a billion, or excuse me, a World Series, they'd pay half a billion for it. They One World Series, they will buy, buy, buy. If you're the Dallas Cowboys, go get a Super Bowl. It's not like you're a small market team and your stadium doesn't fill if you're not winning at least eight games a year, so you have to find a coach that will win you eight, nine, or ten games a year. Go get someone that will either win 13 or five. Play high-stakes poker when you have the big chip stack. If you wanted a coach with 10-plus years experience, moderate success year in and year out, an occasional playoff berth. Get Jason Garrett, the guy you just fired. You got Jason Garrett and replaced him with Jason Garrett from the North. You left Jason Garrett and brought in Mike McCarthy, who is Jason Garrett, who was carried to one Super Bowl by Aaron Rodgers. You give Jason Garrett Uh, Aaron Rodgers for 10 years, I guarantee you he can stumble backwards into one Super Bowl victory. Jerry Jones may have just cost himself the last chance he will have at winning a Super Bowl championship as the owner, president, and GM uh, of the Dallas Cowboys. And that hurts to watch. I don't even like Jerry Jones, but I don't like to see people inflict self-harm. Even people that that annoy me, I don't want to see them shoot themselves in the foot. I just don't want him to annoy me anymore. And I think that that the NFL is a better place when the Dallas Cowboys are good. So there's at least a part of me that is rooting for them to be a legit contender. And to me, they just took themselves from legit contender to legit division threat, wild card team, good chance to maybe bounce around and uh, be in the mix late in the season. No one gets excited for that. I'm not going to be sitting here on the show going, did you see? Did you see? The Dallas Cowboys have a chance to go 9-7 and seven if they win in Week 17. They're, they're in the hunt for a playoff. Do that every year for the next 10? That's what we've done for the last 10. I was going to say, you could argue that that's been going on for a while. That's what we've done. The Cowboys went, we need change. Get rid of Jason Garrett. But... Sign us up for 10 years of the same thing. This food is terrible. Send it back. Well, what would you like? The exact same thing. Make it better. No, not even. Not even. (laughs) Not even. Make it the exact same way, please. I would just like it 10 minutes later 
Uh, so go ahead, take it back there, hold it, bring it back out, then I shall eat it. Tim Donnelly show will be back after this. Was the Jadavion Clowney hit dirty? Should he be punished moving forward? Next. Tim Donnelly Show, back right here on the WRAD Radio Network, 101.7, 103.5, and 1460 AM. I'm Tim Donnelly, alongside producer Lobro, here inside the Mockadoos studio. Guests and callers join us on the Baker Team Hotline. That's the Luis Baker Team over at Long and Foster. You can give us a call to be heard right here on the show, 540-639-4900. So Jadavion Clowney took out Carson Wentz. And we've already discussed the significance of a, a player uh, with a dirty hit, which I consider a dirty hit, uh, taking out the other team's quarterback because I don't want it to become where that becomes a strategy. I don't want it to become where defensive linemen or defensive players in general think I can take a little bit of a risk here to draw a penalty because I will trade 15 yards on this drive for the other team's starting quarterback for the rest of the game. Because head injuries have become such a hot-button issue for the NFL, there is quite a bit of, of guarantee in that if you hit another team, another player, uh, the opposing team's quarterback in the head, there's almost a guarantee they will be looked at by an independent brain neurologist. Or, or neurologist. Brain neurologist is a little bit redundant. So think about that. If you can guarantee the other team's quarterback will be looked at by a neurologist who is independent to their team, you're basically guaranteeing yourself some more than zero chance that the opposing team's quarterback will be kept out of the game. I'm going to tell a story about uh, something that that happened in my career. Um, Back when I was a backup, this was when I was third string. Okay, So I was way back on the the depth chart. Our starting quarterback... um, was running against James Madison, ironically. We were at JMU. Uh, I think it was JMU. Yeah, we were at JMU. He, he was running, scrambling, uh, took a hit to the dome piece. Right, The old noggin got a little rattled. He stood up, started walking to the other team's sideline. He claims he was just disoriented, right? He's like, I, 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 I was clear. I just stood up and started walking in the direction. Just, you know, kind of uh, one of those things. Right, we all do it. You walk out of your office, you take a right, and you're like, what am I doing? The... Bathroom's to the left. He, sa- he claims that's what he was doing. Immediately, the trainers were like, shut him down. He's done. No good. Concussion. We're not playing with it. He's done. They took his helmet. Our second string guy went in there and won the game. I think it was, luckily, our defense showed up to play. I think we won 13-10. Offense couldn't get anything going because our starter was on the sideline. Turns out uh, he went uh, got independently evaluated after the game. Trainers conducted more after the game, showed absolutely no symptoms of any kind of head injury. Uh, they, they basically deemed that they kept him out for precautionary reasons, um, and, and the, the, the concussion wasn't there. Like nothing happened. So think about that if you're a defensive lineman. If you hit the quarterback in a way that makes them even consider a concussion, there's a chance that that player will be held out of the game only to later realize they were held out of the game for no reason. 
And every defensive player would make that trade. Every defensive player would make a trade. The other team's starting quarterback for 15 yards. Every single player. So should Jadavion Clowney be punished? Absolutely. Carson Wentz was on his way to the ground. There was no way physics will tell you in real time that when someone is horizontal and their feet are not catching up with the upper part of their body, they are not suddenly going to spring up and keep running. Not like a cat where they somehow land on their feet. And even if they were worried that he that Carson Wentz was some kind of North Dakotan cat, so I'm sure they have mountain lions and lynx and everything up there, like it's uh, the tundra of, of the planet Earth series. Even if they were worried about that, why can't you just put two hands on his back and push him down? Why do you have to lower the top of your head into the back of his helmet? We don't have to rewire defensive players from doing what they set out to do. We have to rewire them from doing it with the top of their helmet. Put your forearm into his back. We're not even having this conversation. Put your shoulder into his back. We're not even having this conversation. Put your hands firmly on anything. Palm your hand on, on his shoulders, his back, his legs, his, his back end. You do whatever you want to do. We're not having this conversation. The only reason we're having this conversation is because a quarterback was on his way to the ground and a defensive player who's 6'5", 260, of, of 100% muscle, decided the best way to guarantee that a player already on his way down remained on the ground was to take his helmet and put it into the quarterback's helmet. And that is what we need to rewire. And the only way you're going to rewire it and make defensive players second think it is if there is a severe penalty. Jadavion Clowney has to miss time. He won't, but he should. And you can't judge his intent. I'm not saying he went out to be malicious. I'm not saying halfway through spearing uh, Carson Wentz on the way down, he was thinking in his head, oh, yeah, I'm going to end his career. Oh, yeah. Get over here, you North Dakotan. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying he was saying that. But I'm saying his actions did that. Right? His actions did hurt. So what do you want me to do? You want me to judge what was in his brain? You want me to mind read? Can't do that. I can watch tape and I can tell you what he did. Picture it as like like your kid, right? If you if you have the little the nanny cam up in the corner and the 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 babysitter uh, you know kicks your kid. And you're like, what, "What what the heck are you doing? You kicked my kid. You kicked you kicked my child." And they're like, "Well, what you didn't see, I was watching a soccer game. You can't see what was on the TV. And uh, I thought your kid was behind me. So I, I was kicking because I was going, kick it, kick it, kick it to my favorite player. And your kid had walked around the coffee table. And that's like, listen, I don't care what your excuse is. I don't know what was going on in your head. I'm not going to say that's not what happened, but I'm going to say you kicked my kid because I saw you. I have tape of you kicked my kid. And it's quite literally what happened. Like, Jadavion Clowney's like, I didn't mean to give him a concussion. I was just trying to get him on the ground. I didn't mean for my helmet to hit his helmet. I was just trying to make a play, play to the whistle. I'm like, listen, I'm not saying what you're telling me is a lie. 
but I can tell you that I watched it and the top of your helmet hit his helmet on the way down. You whiplashed his head into the ground, caused a concussion, cost my team a playoff game. I don't care what was going on in your head. You did it. I saw it. You're done. That's how I believe. We're going to take a break. When we come up next, Richard Sherman is doing a a celebrity uh, achievement tour. He is celebrating himself, a a congratulations parade for negotiating his own deal and hitting some incentives. I'll tell you why, even though he hit the incentives, he still negotiated a bad deal for himself. Next. Tim Donnelly is the lead activist for players' rights. He's a fan of logic and reason, except when it comes to Tiger Woods. Hey, it's, uh, it's Tiger. More of the Tim Donnelly Show is coming your way next on WRAD. Good morning and welcome back into the Tim Donnelly Show. I'm Tim Donnelly alongside producer Lobro here inside the Mockadoo studio. Guests and callers join us on the Baker team hotline, 540-639-4900. Now, Richard Sherman is going on one of those revenge tours that only a guy like Richard Sherman can go on. He was roundly ridiculed when he negotiated his contract with the San Francisco 49ers because he did it himself, right? He did not have an agent, which um, I actually don't hate the move, right? He's a Stanford-educated guy. Uh, he's obviously an intelligent person. He, he, uh, you know, he can hold his own in negotiations, and, and he went in and, and did what he wanted to do and negotiated a severely incentive-laden contract, meaning... His base salary was low with a whole bunch of if-thens. If you are all pro, then you get $2 million extra dollars. If you play this percentage of snaps, then you get this money. If you, you don't get hurt, you get this much money. There was quite a bit of, of if-then in his, in his um, contract. So he achieved most of those incentives. He was named second team all pro. He got the $2 million. He had already racked up a couple million dollars in incentives. So he decided to call out everyone that was saying his contract was a bad decision and he shouldn't have negotiated it himself. Now, now I'm happy he's happy. I'm, I'm the lead activist for players' rights. I'm happy he feels he did a good job for him and his family and made himself a bunch of money. I'm happy for him. And it could have been a lot worse if he did re-injure his Achilles or if he didn't play up to the standards that, that he did this season. It could have been a lot worse. So I'm happy that the incentive-laden contract didn't turn him into uh, a severely underpaid bust. But I also want to say something clear. It's still a bad contract. When you have an agent, the agent's job is not to get you paid what you're worth. The agent's job is to get you paid more than you're worth, right? If, if, you get, if you are the 10th best quarterback in the league and you get the 7th highest salary, agent did his job. If you're the 7th highest quarterback in the league and you have the 7th highest salary, agent still kind of did his job. If you are the 7th best quarterback in the league and you get paid the 10th highest salary, what the heck is your agent doing? Their job? No. If you're the seventh best quarterback, you're making the 10th most money than three other agents did a better job than you. They took lesser players and got them paid more money. So with Richard Sherman acting as his own agent, 
which is essentially what you do. You get yourself 3% more dollars cash in your in your bank account because you don't have to pay the fee to the agent for negotiating, right? So you keep that 3%, which gives you some wiggle room, right? You can be 2.5% worse than you would have gotten with an agent and still come out 0.5% in the green. So, so there's that. But how about this? Richard Sherman is a top five corner in this league. Second team all pro, which would put him top four. Okay? That's why he hit all of those incentives that he negotiated into his contract. Because he was a top four corner in this league this year. Even with the incentives, he got paid the 17th highest salary. Fourth best corner, 17th highest corner salary. That's not a good job. If you're going to take all of that risk, right, which is what he's doing when he puts all these incentives in, he's saying, listen, I'll take the risk because I know I'm going to be this good, then you should get paid exactly what you're worth. If you have incentives, hey, if I make the all-pro team, I get $2 million. What it should say is, hey, if I'm one of the four best corners, I get paid at least the fourth highest corner salary. If you are going to assume all of the risk, you better make sure when the reward comes in that it's fitting. So again, I want to emphasize this. I'm happy that he's happy. I'm happy that he is pleased with the deal he worked out for himself. And, and I don't know how you could be upset on, on a year where you get $2 million extra dollars for your play. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. But the guys that he, or the, the journalists, the guys and, and ladies that he is calling out saying, ha ha, bet you thought this was going to be a bad deal. It still was. It still is. It's not as bad as it could have been, right? Because you hit on a couple of your bets. It's not as bad as it could have been. But it's still not as good as it should be for a player of your caliber. You're the fourth best corner in the league. You're getting paid like it's darn near 20th best. You're an all-pro getting paid like you aren't even a pro bowler. And you want to celebrate? You want to take us to task? That's not how this works. You can be happy with your situation and understand that we weren't wrong. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to put this out there. I'm not sure an agent gets him top five money. right? I'm not saying that he, uh, you, know, you sign with an agent and then you have the season that he had and suddenly he's worth $20 million, $15 million, whatever the top corners in the league are making. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is if uh, an agent would not have negotiated all of those incentives. And if there were that many incentives, he would have been making more money off the season that he, that he had. They either would have gotten the money that he's gotten guaranteed or there would have been more money available in incentives and he would have been closer to the top of the cornerback payment. The the San Francisco 49ers got a steal. And that's how you know you got swindled. Right? I'll put it this way. If if, uh, you're a video game guy, right? Yeah. Let's say you negotiate for a uh, the PlayStation Five just came out, right? Okay. Uh, or, or it's, well, it's no, coming. It's, it's yeah. coming out. Yeah. 
Um, let's say you have a hookup. You have a guy that's, that got one early and he sells it to you and you're, you're negotiating. How much are you going to pay? How much are you going to pay? How much are you going to pay? Right? Mm-hmm. And then finally, you agree on a number. You agree on a pickup spot, so you're texting each other. Uh, the McDonald's on 3rd Street. You meet at the McDonald's on 3rd Street. You exchange. As you're driving away, your phone dings. It's from the guy that just sold you a, a, uh, a PlayStation. You look at it. It's a missed text. He meant to send it to someone else. And it says, hey, man, I just sold this thing for a great deal. I got, I, I got more than I was expecting. Uh. Right? Now you, f- you, you feel like a jerk. The 49ers are texting everyone saying, hey, we only paid 17th most for a corner. We got Richard Sherman, who's a second-team All-Pro. They're bragging about the deal they got, Richard. They're bragging about the deal they got off of you. That tells me you got swindled. That tells me your heart should drop, your stomach should drop just like it would in the scenario I just described, driving away from a negotiation where you learn that the person you were negotiating with thinks they got a great deal. I feel like that's something the 49ers should keep under wraps and not just be like, oh, well, we got a great deal. No, they, they, I mean, they're saying Richard Sherman's a great player. Richard Sherman, like, they're not coming out and saying, like, we way underpaid. But, but behind closed doors, I guarantee you that's what they're saying. I guarantee you that's what John Lynch is telling his buddies over a couple beers in, in uh, whatever that is, Levi's Stadium, game day. He's like, that guy, you won't believe what I paid to get him on the team. Right, just like you do when you get a deal on a car and you're standing in the garage with your friends at the cookout, you won't believe what I paid for that 2013 Toyota Camry. Next up, the top four Hokie basketball, Hokie hour. It's all coming on the Tim Donnelly Show.